You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we need to hibernate. I'm your host, Justin M. Lezeski, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said or will say on this show. And I am absolutely exhausted. I feel like I'm going to fall asleep while recording this episode. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I kind of just want this episode to be over. But I think I think that means that's a good time for the season finale. And that's a good time for our season break. That means I'm living life to the fullest. I'm trying my hardest. And we've accomplished something this year. I think we have. And that'd be something that'd be interesting for you all to give us some feedback on. How has the show been this year? Do we need to make any changes going forward? Because I'm not going to lie. I think our best years are behind us right now. And I don't like that. I like my best years to be ahead of me until I die. And right now, it doesn't feel that way. And don't just say bring back Daniel. Love to have Daniel back. But the guy's got a company and two kids. Like, what do you want? All right. Although my co-host, who I'm going to introduce now, has his own company. So what does that say? He doesn't have two kids, though. Joining me this trip from his corner office, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yes, it's the end of the year. I'm excited. We've got some great awards to hand out. No, some... no, 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 no. You're exhausted, not excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, there's so much going on. We were just uh, during the pre-show, we were like, man, this has been just a whirlwind year. Uh, so much farce has been witnessed. I think, uh, you know, as a good manager, I'm measuring our metrics and uh, uh, our our uh, witnessing of the farce metrics have gone through the roof. So, uh I yeah, think, we uh, even had a post the other day from <laughs> Midsider Tom in the Discord. He said peak farce is a purely theoretical value, and he posted the trailer for a movie. I haven't watched this trailer yet, but the title, The American Society of Magical Negroes. William, what, I, like, how is that not, like, can you imagine in the 90s or 10 years ago trying to make that movie title? Wouldn't you be called a racist off the uh, bat? Well, I think it's uh, done on purpose, and... Uh, Justin, I hate to tell you, it's a, it's, it seems like it's one movie in the trailer and then it veers off into romantic comedy land. And I don't even know what this movie's going to do. <laughs> and well, there's yeah, more, there's more than one example. problem with the trailer. Uh, with that title, who do you think, what is the race of the person who's the love interest? I'm hoping it's the woman in the still that I'm looking at right now. The the black woman with the uh, glasses, who's a good actress, who I've seen in a bunch of stuff. It's not no, her. No, it's definitely it's a not white a black. woman. Yes, <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Are we sure this is not a porno? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the point of this is that the farce keeps coming. Even the, the last couple of weeks, there's a, been some farce that's actually going to win some awards. That we haven't even talked about yet on the show because the farce keeps coming. I can't so, wait. So yeah, we're gonna... What? I said I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, but first, we gotta talk about... and We gotta count down the top news stories of the year. 
Let's head into that in Life on the Midside. Take a good look around. Just like really fun. No, we just complain and I hope that this mic goes on. Because I'm on a roll here. I hope this is making some sense. I hope that you'll throw up your hands and sing it and tell all the haters that they should just shut up and smile. Yeah. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode, midside, midside, midside. Now I'm now I'm confused, William. Patreon or local? Oh, locals is per month. There you go. Let's go to the midside.com/slash/patreon or the midside.com/slash/locals. We accept any and all support, including affirmations, uh, comments about how to improve the show, and perhaps advice as to how to get more and better sleep. Can you tell that I'm exhausted, William? I think I think <laughs> you've been leaving it all in the field. That's what's going on. I, uh, not on the field, on the mat, more correctly. <laughs> there you go. There you but go. yes, which is part of the reason our break will be extended a, a couple weeks this year. But we'll get to that at the end. That's a little tease for you. First, we have to talk about the the five most, I want to say, impactful stories, right? Because one of the things that uh, former co-host James bestowed upon us was the idea of making sure we're focusing not on the news, but on life on the midside. And what I mean by that is when we talk about these stories, William, I've always wanted to focus on how they affect us and they affect everyone's ability to live. So the first one, I know this is one of your favorites, right? The idea that 12% of Americans are eating half the beef supply. It, to me, this this is supposed to like shame you, I think, and uh, and instead it inspires me to eat half the beef supply. Um, first of all, it's a lack of understanding of the Pareto principle and statistics, right? Because I'm sure the top, like the eighty twenty principle, will tell us that twenty percent of any like population is going to do do eighty percent of the thing, right? Like that, like on average, right? Like close to that. So it, it should be completely unsurprising that 12% of Americans eat half the, the beef supply because I bet 20% eat 80% of it. Does that make sense? Like yes. that's just how it is. Like that, that's how statistics break down in, in, in populations uh, 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 generally. Uh, but the, the fact that we should be ashamed that people are eating beef and that only 12% are eating it, I think uh, I, I I think it also talks a bit about uh, or leads us a bit about to inflation as well, right? Because, you know, people can't aff- like I remember it being like for my parents is a big deal that we ate if we had steak or beef at it, growing up every if my parents had it, we all had it, all four of us kids, right? That was a big deal yeah. to them because they never got to eat, you know, the, the adults ate the good food and the kids got the slop when they were growing up, right? Yeah. And so they didn't want they didn't want that. And uh, and now we're complaining that uh, half the beef supply is only going to the to the to the one percent. I mean the twelve percent. I don't know, Justin. What do you think about the story? How yeah, does it well, affect? I think us? what you well, yeah, and I think what you just said is well taken because it's a reminder of even though there is inflation right now, things aren't as bad as they've been in the past, and things are more affordable. I mean, you just gave the example of meat. I mean, beef is still affordable, even if it's doubled yeah. in price or yeah. gone up from 20 to $30 for a package at Sam's Club. It's still affordable. But I think there's another thing here about what you're saying. There's two other things. One, sort of how we've had to adjust our lives based on inflation. 
yeah. and people not making the wisest decisions. Like I just said, it's it's gone up 10 or $20 for a package of beef at Sam's Club. Are you going to continue to waste 10 or $20 on non-essential goods? Or are you going to continue eating the, the food that fuels your life? There's that. And then there's also the forcing us to look at where we exist. And what I mean by that is we're not even aware of those statistics you're talking about on an experiential level because we live within ourselves so we normalize ourselves and just going really we're in the 12 percent because i'm not rich dude yet i'm in the 12 percent like i spend my money in a way that i can do those kind of things and it's just crazy to sit back and be like I'm in the twelve percent. Yeah. Me of all well, people, I, I I'm I I am such a beef uh, uh, in this. I'm so in this twelve percent that for the UFC fight yesterday, I had some people come over and watch the pay per view. I I used two pounds of of high quality ground beef to make a nice chili all day yesterday, so that we could enjoy it yeah. during the uh, during the UFC fight. So that's how much. That's how much. That's how into beef I am. Well, and I would say I'm so into beef that I don't like to eat from the coaches' rooms at wrestling tournaments because it's mainly carbs. It's pizza. And yesterday was lucky that we got Chick-fil-A. And I don't even like Chick-fil-A that much because every time I eat it, I'm I'm not full because I'm used to eating beef. So it's really sort of, a like I said, a stark look. Like most people aren't doing what you're doing, yeah. making that two pounds of ground beef into chili and most... <laughs> yeah. Most people are eating the the pizza and the and the hot dogs and the carbs constantly. So, all right, moving on to the next story. This next story is, is very interesting, William, because it's more funny than anything, but it also sort of reveals, I think, the disconnect between the the normal people and the political class. Also, because. It's the story that wouldn't die this year. And what I mean by it is if you actually look through our archives, the first time we talked about it was December of 2022. So technically this even extends back to the previous season of our show. And that is the cross-dressing Biden administration official. Uh, He just won't stop stealing luggage. He just just keeps going. Like more and more comes out about him uh, stealing luggage. And, uh, one of these stories that has broken over the past couple of weeks that former co-host Daniel talked to me about that you shared in the in our text thread, William, uh, he was pointing out that this doesn't just extend to the the luggage stealing. It also is what is going on with this scandal about sex in the White House oh, or something. Yeah, there it's not the White House this time, but uh, yeah, someone. I, this this is a crazy story because it's still connected, and this is all we'll connect this back to 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 this story as well. But apparently, uh, uh, some staffer, some congressional staffer, was having sex in the Hart Senate building in one of the public hearing rooms, and has a video of it. Them getting railed from behind, and posted that video to a text thread of gay DC people, uh, you know, political people, and that video got leaked. And then all hell broke loose. And the guy why was... Did he, why did he post it in the thread? Like, was he trying to, like, be like, look, you can do this to me too? Or was he just trying to brag? Uh, I think both, considering we're talking about rampant narcissism here. Now, uh, I true. am in some of these threads uh, um, in DC. I was not on this particular thread. Uh, and it's the... The narcissism of the political class is just off the charts. We know that, right? Because it selects for narcissism. But 
it's it's absolutely crazy, Justin. The real thing is just like the parallel is just like with the cross-dressing Biden administrator. Uh, his defense on LinkedIn, which I posted in the thread as well, was like, um, you know, I'm basically I'm being targeted because I'm gay. Because because if this was this is gay sex, and that's why everyone hates it. It's like, no, dude, you're having sex in a like public place that's kind of a ceremonial place, right? Like it's like it, this is like this would be different if like oh he was having sex in like this congressman's office or something, right? Like I, that would even be different than this. But to try and hide behind their gay identity for this clearly narcissist and unhealthy behavior. And Justin, yeah. I can't even like, I, I know that we didn't cover it on the show, but there is so much more to this story. Again, I'm in, in some of these threads, like people and 4chan uh, doing the Lord's work as well, dug through, found that the guy that's, that was doing the pounding, the top was, is a German, um, like pseudo political operative diplomat. And uh, there's all these, all this posting about, sex dungeons and like he's just he just gets passed around the town right so all this stuff is coming out about this person and it comes back to justin to that narcissism right like what right like and he was already told to kind of tone down his instagram and facebook because it was a little too risque for someone who was you know literally in the public eye right and how about then, for anyone can we well, just say for anyone <laughs> well like, but then you go underground and it's all this here. other stuff right like there's all this other right. stuff in the underground threads so right. yeah uh but that's crazy. what i want to distinguish between here william that what you're talking about with how does this affect us right how does this affect daily life and when we look at the well, biden administration before you do that let me official. just connect just let me tie the bow this is okay. compulsive behavior right just right. like that other story it's compulsive right this person cannot help but do this compulsive behavior they think that this yes. is good for them but anyway continue i just want right. to tie it back to the well no that the, uh, connects a hundred percent with what i'm saying a hundred percent with what i'm saying is as you're saying the narcissism and it's the idea now with social media and global communication technology that all of this has to be public i certainly agree with you that there's a difference because it's in a more sacred place but regardless yeah, yeah. of that, I mean, there's videos of him sharing... having sex with the same guy in a in a sex uh, what what do they call it the the you know the stuff in the red light district in Germany, right? Like that. Right. That this is all fine, and it could stay underground. If someone made it public, I, I would be like, whatever. This is I don't like it, but this is you know this is in 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 the right context, right? <laughs> that's where I'm going to disagree with you on, right? The context certainly makes it worse. However, the main problem for me here is the need to do these things in the a public compulsion. setting and yeah. then share it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, if you want to use the internet to network with people who have these similar interests, and you even, okay, want to do it in public in a way that you're hidden, right? In somebody's office, right? You could conceivably close any windows and put up curtains and things. Yeah, Same and thing the, in the, uh, red light the sex clubs in Germany. Yeah, exactly. The sex clubs in Germany are right. very, you know, they no recordings, the, blah, blah, blah. Right, because these intentionally create a barrier because not everybody cares. And when I say not everybody, <laughs> nobody else cares about these things that you do except people who share the values. Exactly. And the idea we have nowadays is that everybody has to share your values because everything is public. And that's where the compulsion comes from. And that's why it connects to me, connects for me to the story about the 
the luggage because that's breaking the social contract as well. When you're posting these videos, you're breaking the social contract. Oh, I'm going to put this in everybody's face. Yeah. And the stealing the clothes and the stealing clothes and then wearing them in such public, like for photo shoots and stuff like the clothes you stole, right? Right. Like this is, and I think another way it connects back to, to midsiders is, you know, we've talked about like watching for these cluster B behaviors. Now that doesn't mean like you set, you know, you see this cluster B behavior, like, Oh, they have cluster B. Don't talk to them. That's not what I'm saying, but you need to see what these behaviors are because then you can start reminding yourself, Oh, I got to be careful with boundaries with this person, or this person might do things that are really unhealthy or they're, you know, in a bad place. And this is the stuff that you got to look for. You have to look for this because I mean, Justin, how many people like, like the red flags were already out there when he was told to like, hey, tone it down on social media, like, and then the whoever this senator was, I think it was was it Ben Cardin? I, I don't quote me on that. I forget which senator he worked for, but um, like these red flags that people are like, oh, we'll just give him a little warning for someone who has this kind of compulsion. That's not going to stop them. It's gonna, they're going to double down, and this person did double right. down. That's what all my research has right. shown. So right, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's a stark reminder that arguably the entire purpose of the creation of government is to stop narcissistic cluster B behavior. (laughs) And what I mean by that is I truly believe like Penn Jillette believes that most people are good and will leave other people alone and just want to be left alone. But in a state of nature, when there's no objective force, the strong people who are cluster B will run rampant over the others. Yeah. And when we have a misbalance like we do today between the more masculine and the more feminine, um, you have the same issue, right? When we see that. Right. um, We see that pretty rampantly, right? And the cancel culture is a very, that is a very female psychology reaction, right? Guys punch it out. And so then what do you do when the very people government was created to stop have now taken control of government? It's a question to ask. But of course, I think the next thing I wanted to say is sort of a story of the year, not to be confused with the band, right? There's a band named Story of the Year, Uh, points to how we're complicit. And what I mean by that is in social media culture, making it so everyone has to have an opinion and we see the negative effects that everyone has to have an opinion has on the way we interact with each other. And, you know, we first saw it with the Ukrainian war and people started saying that if somebody posted about Ukraine way too much or they had the Ukrainian flag emoji online or icon, it showed who, what kind of person they are, where, dude, William, I'm Polish, like, aren't I going to favor Ukraine over (laughs) Russia? Like, but do you hear me go around saying it? No, no. And we have the same problem here. We talked about this at length about like why we're not just going to give an opinion on the I don't even know what number conflict it is between Israel and the Palestinians and Hamas in the Middle East, where we've seen people. Everybody has to have an opinion on this and on both sides. Right. We're not even saying like, oh, it's the people saying Israel's genociding Palestinians that are wrong for voicing it. Uh, or we're not, we're, 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 we're saying the people who have to decry the evil of Islam and Palestinians and Hamas as are just as wrong about it. Because for me, William, what difference is it going to make? Why does it matter 
what you have to say about this issue. I think it matters in your heart and in your head if you think something is evil. And I do think there is evil involved here. And I do think there are extreme issues involved here. But why do I need to take a stance on it? Why do we have to have doxing trucks driving around campus? I don't know. And and we have to think about what that, like, making sure, I think the lesson here is making sure that it gets back to good boundaries, I think. Making sure that you don't feel compelled to take stands on things that, like you said, yes. don't matter, right? Like, yes, you can think about it. You can you can even discuss it, right? And say, like, oh, man, this seems like you have these things and these things. But I don't know that, I don't know that, I don't know that there's anything that I can do that will have any effect on that conflict. Right. It and gets it's, back. It's the same so reason just, why we don't vote for president, right? There's nothing right. I can do that will affect the presidency. Right. Well, nothing you can do in the short term. And that's why I yeah. want to be clear about something you said. You said about things that don't matter. It does matter. Right. When we talk about the war, yeah. Israel yeah. versus Hamas and Palestinians. It matters. But it's the second thing you said that that is important. How much of an effect can you have on it by immediately saying something? Almost none. So what's important is to stick to your values, you live by your values, and talk about it in conversations that you can influence. Not to just broadcast it over a podcast or over social media. And that's the difference I'm talking about. Yep. It's the, right, it's the flags truck. It's the flags and the, and the roses and all the bullshit emoticons in your Twitter bio, right? Like, who are you really influencing? Who are you really changing the mind through that? Right. It's the virtue signaling of cluster B narcissism that is enabled and arguably created by social media. Which I think kind of leads into the next story, which is one of these stories that's broken over the uh, last few weeks. It actually is going to win one of our awards this year, too. Uh, all the crap going on at Harvard. And, and what was the other um, Ivy League school where the president actually did get fired? Penn. Penn. Yeah, so the University of Pennsylvania president was fired, but the Harvard president wasn't fired because she, this was, there was a, a Senate hearing, right? Or a, a con yeah, it was congressional a, it, hearing. It, yeah. And then they, they gave their limp dict uh, defense of uh, free speech. Um, and then, and then right, they got which called. They wouldn't say in what context it was okay to say genocide of Jews yeah. was okay. It was okay. Yeah. Um, which uh, the but, response should have been, look, a free speech response, William, should have been, it's not okay to say that, but it's not our job to be the moral police. Exactly. Exactly. Same thing with the, you know, and, and but the but the problem is that everyone in that committee knew that if it was trans and someone is, was calling like if someone was calling for the the non-medicalization of uh children for trans treatment, they would have brought up the genocide, the trans genocide and would have called it hate speech and it would have been against the speech policies of trans genocide. What? Yeah, not giving the people... non-existent trans genocide. Yeah, exactly. They they would have made that logical leap. And these are the same people that said words are violence, and therefore, yeah. like these are the same same people. And then Justin, of course, this this the cherry on top is the president who got fired isn't the president who plagiarized all of their academic work. And by all, yes. I mean they only have eleven um, uh, publications to their name. Imagine that only having 11 publications to your name and being president of Harvard University, the most one of the most prestigious uh, universities in the world. 
And I but think more than half woman, of them are plagiarized. But when you're a black woman and your last name is gay, that's like excellent that's PR two. for Harvard, that's isn't two. it? Yeah. Well, and we had the we had the other one that we didn't have time to talk about this year. Uh, that uh, apparently colleges are going to redefine merit to include race. Um, yeah. And that just came out this week. Uh, so, yeah, this is all... I, I think the reason this is in the num- number two spot, though, Justin, is this doesn't this feel like a turning point? I feel like more normies are aware of this stuff now than ever before. Um, you're seeing a lot of discussions about people pulling out funding. I mean... Justin, have you ever given to your alumni association? I haven't. <laughs> Do you, yeah, I haven't told that story on the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> you ready for this story? So let, we'll get into that story in two seconds. But first, to to back up what you're saying about a turning point, I already tell people like there's no point in going to Ivy League schools anymore. I I, I, really I think I would go in... go a step further. I don't think there's a point in going to college anymore. Well, that was what I was going to build towards, right? That it's, you know, in my area, it's easy where I'm teaching. It's easy to sell that because most of those kids probably aren't going to go to an Ivy League school. But this really makes people look into, you know, should you even go to college or should you just learn a skill you want to do? Or like I tell them, find out what you want to do for eight hours a day, what you can enjoy, and just start doing that when you graduate from high school and get better and better at it. And this is this is a talking point that if people aren't aware of what's going on, if they are, great, because they already were questioning it, right? But if they aren't, you can say this. Look, they're defining merit as race. Or they're they're finally telling you. They're admitting that, right? As, yeah, as Midsider Daniel said. Yeah. Right, as, as co-host Daniel said, former co-host Daniel. This is just them admitting it. They've been doing that for years. Now they're telling us they're doing it. It's a great talking point for that. But yeah, I mean, I, this is, again, one of the reasons this show has been what it is and we're able to witness far so well as I've been seeing this since I was in high school and definitely in college when yeah. I was at Ithaca. Cause after I graduated with my writing degree, that's when I wrote my first uh, manuscript unpublished called timeless. And the villain in it was based off of a professor I had. Now it's not totally based off him, but like inspired by, I don't want to get sued, but the whole, the whole point is, the idea of this very hippie left-wing professor hiding in academia to have this agenda of rewriting the timeline in the way that he thinks is morally fit. Wow, that story just keeps keeps <laughs> keeps being relevant. I can't, dude. I came up with this how many years ago? We're talking like 2006. Wow. I came up with this 2007. And it's it's still relevant nowadays. I mean yeah. that when I came up with that, that sounds that sounds insane, right? That sounds completely fictional. Yeah, but that no, I think that sounds work. real now, doesn't yeah. it? Like if somebody said that hat was happening, wouldn't you say, yeah, that sounds accurate, right? I mean, isn't maybe that what the sixteen nineteen project is? Right. So maybe it's time for me to dust this off and like rewrite it in a way that's more uh, relevant to nowadays because it you know the technology is kind of anachronistic in it as it was written back in 2007 but anyway so i write this manuscript and then my school is like oh would you give to our school so i gave them like because they called me and they keep calling dude like they never leave you alone and then the kid on the phone was nice so i gave 10 bucks they literally sent me a letter and the first accomplishment they touted in the letter was something being published 
by that professor who I based my villain on. Nice. And I was like, well, you're never getting my money ever again <laughs> in my entire life. Well, so glad uh, <laughs> I wasted that $10 for you to smack me in the face. Well, I feel for the poor people doing the calls, the students doing the calls. You know, most of those are on the work study uh, program, oh, 100%. Right? So That's why I because yeah. I had sympathy for the kid. I wanted <laughs> yeah. the kid to be like, oh, I'm doing a good so job. When I, when I do notice, uh, you know, the good old 734 area code on my phone, and I realize it's probably the college, I engage. I have about a half hour conversation I have with the whoever the student is, especially if they're an engineering student. I talk to them about me helping start up the uh, Michigan Mars Rover project, all the stuff I did and everything else. But I start the conversation with saying, hey, I'm not going to donate. And then I list the reasons why. Free speech on campus. Uh, I'm against diversity and inclusion, blah, blah, blah. All these all these reasons and, and the, that how campus has gotten worse uh, every time I visit. And then I say, but all that aside, here's how I got something valuable out of Michigan. And then I tell all the stories that I that I had from undergrad. And I'll tell you what, those each time the students are super happy that they have talked to me. <laughs> so at least I'm trying to spread a little bit of the midside to uh, to them when yeah. they call. So I, just, I feel like I'm giving a value, even though I'm never going to give them my money. Yeah, I just send the call to voicemail because they dude, come on, come on, like. You yeah. can't write something better than that, 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 that you give 10 bucks and then the villain of your story is the who yeah. they write the letter bragging about. <laughs> Come on. All right. So let's move on to the uh, the top news story, which actually is relevant to you can't, you know, you can't write a better version of that, right? Well, apparently the Hollywood writers think they can write, or no, actually I would say the opposite. They actually think computers can write a better story than them right and a big thing that was influential on our culture this year was hollywood writers and then actors in solidarities with the writers went on strike over the use of ai in the industry because hollywood writers did not want their careers taken away by artificial intelligence this of course led to everybody being obsessed with chat gpt and i know midsider lucid was constantly sending me all the ways in which uh, chat GBT was wrong when it replied to him. He would constantly be running uh, a trial and error testing on it, right? Seeing how it would respond based on certain things. And he found out it was making things up. And then kids, because they heard it, would start using it in school. South Park did a whole episode about this. But William, I just find it fascinating that all of a sudden people have bought into the myth Hollywood was peddling in their movies and stories that AI could be smarter than humans. Yeah. And the writers themselves believe that chat GPT can write a better story than them and be more creative than them. Chat GPT, if pro, go ahead. I was going to say, Justin, you're, I, I am confident that AI could write a better She-Hulk series than the one that we got. Now that I'm confident. Right. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. It could probably follow the formula better. Oh, yeah. Because it's a program. Just it'll program, you know, save the cat in act one. Follow all these parts of it as well. But you and I both know that a good story and a good movie, how the director executes the writing, is about the integration of all of the elements. Yes, yes. And there's no way a AI could ever process information in the same way because it doesn't have the same conceptual conceits created from whatever precepts the unique perspective of the person has those are two elements of cognition and ai doesn't have mm -hmm. 
All it is is a machine that follows a formula. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and isn't this a terrible admission of inferiority? Like, this is the new Luddites, right? Like, writers are saying that that they can... First of all, they're saying they can be replaced with technology, but we know from creative fields that that's not true, right? Like, are you saying the people who do, like, beautiful costume making were put out of business by the loom being invented, right? Like, like the, the people who no longer operate looms, right, or no longer weave manually, were, were not the people who were doing the artistic side of clothing making, right? Same thing with, you know, books. When the printing press was invented, it wasn't the monks making the copies that, that were doing the actual writing, right? Like, they were preserving things, obviously, before the printing press, but th- they weren't the. They, that wasn't the skill or the the sort of artistic skill of the industry. And I think the same is right. true, true here with the writing. Like Justin, rather than pay a human to touch up a script, if ChatGPT can do that for you or some other AI, I think that's an incredible value, right? I use I use uh, a, a, a AI assistance in coding now because there's you know there's a lot of drudgery or um, changes that could be made to make it more readable, or it can help me um, look for errors or security issues, right? These are all good things. And yeah, it might take some uh, some people who are doing very menial coding like out of, out of work, and it might push people who are unskilled coders to either be more skilled or leave the industry. But it's not going to replace a, an actual programmer, right? Someone who has to has to look at a problem and abstract how a computer can actually solve it in a procedural way that's a very complex task and it's not something ai can do ai cannot ai is just a a schizophrenic connection machine right it's just making random connections and and it's been trained to recognize some of those patterns as being more preferred by humans than others and that's literally it but the incredible amount of defeat to say like our jobs could be replaced by ai i say good like i want less she hulk Right. If that's the pinnacle of writing, if 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 this is, you know, all the Hollywood writing that we've seen, all the terrible shows that have come out that have just completely inconsistent writing. If you had told me that was written by AI, I I wouldn't believe it. Not because it's too bad. It's 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 too awful. Right. It's not awful in a random. It's not interesting in a random way, which is what you get out out of a lot of uh, AI stuff. Well, I think when you're talking about the creative fields, that it's not just the creative fields here. And and what I mean by that is look at the example you use of, of monks. The people being replaced by AI are the people not using their brains. Think of yeah. an assembly line, right? When you add robots to an assembly line, that's a form of AI. People may not believe that's a form of AI, but it is a form of AI because you're programming the robot to follow a specific pattern. Now, you still need the person who makes sure the assembly line is going. You just can hire fewer people. But you still need the supervisor there to make sure any problem is fixed. And the example I use, William, of a, a very non-creative field, or let's say artistic, because I think another problem here is creativity exists in all fields, yeah, and we absolutely. use creativity as a synonym for artistic. And that's not fair to the blue-collar workers. And I... I realize the way I just said that sounds very condescending, but I don't mean that in a condescending way. I highly respect all these people who do stuff I don't do. 
Um, take the example of car mechanics. Car mechanics now, William, hook your car up to a machine and the computer in the machine and in your car interface to know what is wrong with the car. But who has to actually go in there and look at it and make sure it's working properly? The or mechanic. to or to understand what the because it's really just telling you what sensors are off. It's not it, it doesn't Correct. right. It, it has to be validated by someone who understands how the entire system works. Right, because even the sensors could be wrong. So right. that's just telling you where to start looking in your problem solving process. Now, I do think that is kind of part of the problem is people are foregoing creativity to rely on these machines. So at a lot of these car dealerships, they just do what the machine tells them, which makes them not a very good mechanic. But that's entirely the point. I think that's a, that's an incredibly, uh, incredibly important point because these are new tools that will in, in that in the right hands in someone who is creative or artistic or uh, gifted will unlock new value at less cost. That's the important thing. Now, Tony Stark. Yeah. The fact that, um, the fact that we made such a big deal about a stupid chatbot is a whole different thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I said Tony Stark because that's what the character of Iron Man is, is he's, he's literally using this technology in a way that enhances his intelligence. And yes, William, you say this new technology, I don't see like nothing this year. And I'm a, again, I'm a layman, but nothing this year has shown me that this technology is anything new. It's just that people are looking at it more now because we decided I, to highlight it. I think the only new thing is it's in normal people's hands. That's the difference. And I guess, I, but there used to be, what was it? Smart robot or whatever on aim that you could yep. have a conversation with. Yeah. The, well, the quality has what increased. What was that called? Uh, I don't remember. There was tons of aimbots uh, back yeah. in the day, but um, I think that the the larger trend is, and what we should take away from this. One of the things we should take away from this story is that part of the battle of technology has been this ebb and flow between centralization and decentralization, and at least for now. There seems to be a interesting sort of battle, right, on in the open AI space or in the AI space about who should get uh the power to use this technology in, in the way they see fit, right? And open AI has gone down the 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 people who made ChatGPT have gone down the road saying that they should be the ones to decide, right? And we saw that with the whole story this year of, you know, uh the guy getting fired and then rehired back and everyone leaving the threatening to leave the company, that all, that whole stuff. We still don't know all the details of that, but it seems to be around that very issue, right? Like who should get this at what cost? And, and then who should be able to train this data and things like that. And it's going to be really interesting because there is a, you know, there is a aspect of will people be able to control this on their own? You know, app, everyone's always criticized Apple because Siri has been behind, uh, you know, at least initially, I think it's way less so now. Siri's been behind uh, on the conversational front, but that was because Apple wanted everything to happen on your device. In other words, they they were trying to make it more decentralized, more privacy uh, focused, all those things. And uh, 
Justin, anything anyone types into ChatGPT belongs to ChatGPT, belongs to OpenAI. And that opens up a whole different can of worms when you're talking about your thoughts and your, you know, your artistic things that you're trying to do. So these are all things that I think people should people should think about and take away is, you know, how much how much of the stuff am I using is promoting this drive to centralization, which is not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but in general, it's bad, right? In general, it can be bad. Um, this drive. Well, for this is, of course, William, what I mean when I say it's been around a while. This is Echo. This is why I told my wife I didn't want any of it in my house. It's the same concept. Is it yep. not everything you just described? Yep. Exactly. All right. So that's the most impactful news stories of the year or the most impactful events that affected our lives in the midside. Let's start to hand out some of our awards in the Hopeful Bromantic with JML. Put me into syndication. As always, if you'd like to continue to witness the farce with us during our off-season, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. Just go to midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link, and in there is the Discord link, the Discord join code. I'd love for you to keep telling me about the farce because the more I'm in the mat room, the less I know about the farce that's going on. So I would have missed the title, The American Society of Magical Negroes, if not for Midsider Tom. So hit me with a lot of farce there in the Discord in the off season. All right, let's head into our awards. We had all of you submit your nominations. I'd like to go through most of them. Then I'd like to do the Peak Farce Audience Award, which you voted on. And then I would like to give the Romantic Manifestation Award last to talk a little bit about movies. So, William, we're going to start with the Narcissist of the Year. In previous years, this was given numerous times to Donald Trump. It was given one year to Hillary Clinton. Then they both ran against each other for president (laughs) after receiving the award, which is, as you point out, that was the year I decided to no longer vote for president. Yeah. Because I was like, this is a joke. This is literally farce. Um, We, of course, then gave it to Gavin Newsom in 2020 to exemplify all of the politicians and governors who just decided they could stop a virus by just making everyone stay home. Yeah. Which I if can't we, think of anything we, if more. If we stayed home if, and, and you got the jab, then that would stop the virus. And all we had to do was tell people. If yep. I just stand on a stage and on TV and tell you, I yep. will change Wear the world. I will change the world. Of course, we didn't think there was anything more narcissistic until the next year. Dr. Anthony Fauci said, I am science. Imagine a human being saying that. And then, of course, the next year, Sam Bankman fried We've got to uh, follow the science. Yeah. And of course, he is the science, so we had to follow him, right? Talk about narcissism. Yep. And then in 2022, Sam Bankman Freed tried to um, pretend he had rational altruism in order to defraud very many people. And that farce <laughs> has continued into this year, that narcissism oh, yes. with his. There's not strong enough internet in um, jail. And of course, uh, he was nominated. We, I just didn't want to give it to him again because that was last year. Uh, the Hollywood Strikers were nominated. 
as well as we just talked about that, right? Because narcissism is actually an inferiority complex. Yeah. Uh, and then the final nominee I thought was a very smart one. Uh, and I, I think it's perfect to award this winner for the second time, Gavin Newsom, because even though he's not running for president, you would think he is running for president. Remember his ad about how better California is than Florida? And then he just did the debate. Wait, don't I have it? Hold on, hold on. Let's see. Is it this one? I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California. But we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. The banjo, dude. Like, it's like a Disney World thing. Every time. Forever purge. I just don't like it's just crazy man like it doesn't matter where what I do in life I always seem to like find the farce and I moved to Florida right <laughs> when Newsom got more farcical it's just yeah, absurd it's absurd and I, again, what a what a honor for him to win a second time um that means he's tied with Donald Trump who I know in years past we've discussed renaming this the no Donald Trump, Donald Trump has three Oh, that's true. He does have three. Donald Trump he does have three. three. So, uh, so we've talked about renaming this to the Donald Trump Award. And I, you know, I know everyone thinks he can't possibly run for president, but I, I, I don't know, Justin. I mean, if uh, do we? All it's going to take is one more fall down the stairs by uh, Biden, and we, he, he may not be around anymore. So, um, and I can't wait for the Harris uh, Newsom ticket. Personally, I think the the amount of narcissism and farce and and circle talk that we could hear. Uh, we'll just go off the charts. I want to keep this show going for one reason, and it's related to what you just said. I want to see if over the rest of my life, there's a correlation between who we give the Narcissist Civil Year Award to, to who becomes president. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. We've willed it into existence. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the inverse, that we're able to identify Predict, who's best yeah, Whoever's going to be the narcissist, whoever's the narcissist of the year, the previous year will win the uh, win the presidency. That's true. Right. So we know who's most capable of taking advantage of the machine. All right. The next award is the John Rawls Social Justice Warrior Trophy for Advancement of a Batshit Crazy Ideology. I just noticed a typo here. I'm looking at it. We have a spreadsheet. <laughs> We've had this spreadsheet since 2014. How long have we had this typo? <laughs> no, we actually have not. Midsider Michael went through and made this spreadsheet oh, first okay, retroactively. Okay. All right. Because I couldn't remember all of this. This was too much for me to keep track of. And actually, thank you, Midsider Michael, because of this. I now have... Because I started coaching girls wrestling when it got sanctioned. Now I have a spreadsheet similar to this for all of the sanctioned records. Like everyone who's wrestled a match for our school. Did they win? Did they lose? How many pins did they have? So I have that since the sport became officially sanctioned. Where if I didn't do that, nobody else would have had that. And I wouldn't have done this without Midsider Michael. So thank you for this spreadsheet for for giving me a format. Uh, But this one, for the advancement of a batshit crazy ideology... This, of course, started out by the article in BuzzFeed saying that uh, female characters need to shave their armpits if they're in constant peril because, or no, they need not to <laughs> need not shave to, their armpits because yeah. it's not realistic because we watch movies for realism. Uh, the Fidel Castro eulogizers, uh, Antifa, uh, of course, uh, Alexandro Acosta Cortez for twice making people think her. You know, her Instagram personality made left-wing ideas cool. Of course, then there was when sports decided to start virtue signaling 
on uniforms. This was most common in the bubble for the NBA, if you remember everything in the NBA yeah. that year. Um, but they couldn't uh, couldn't couldn't uh, virtue signal about China, though. Remember? Yeah, I remember. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. But finally, this year, this is the award that we've already talked about. But it has to be uh, Harvard University. Their board of directors. Congratulations. Yeah. You refuse to fire your president. And also, you are okay with redefining merit as meaning the race you are born as. Yeah. And plagiarism. We're, like, well, that goes uh, under not redefined, your president. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've defined plagiarism as a white construct. So, I mean, and uh, since merit doesn't matter, since since race trumps traditional merit, or we've put race in that in somehow mixed it in with merit, then yeah, plagiarism doesn't matter. So yeah, congratulations, Harvard. I think, um, I think like we said before, this is a turning point and it, it's fitting that, that this is definitely advancing the social justice cause towards destruction. Um, yes. and, and now it's the advancing destruction relativism, of the, yeah. advancing subjectivism. Yeah. And destroying the American academia. I mean, yes, it, it it really hits everything and i you know i wonder how like how academia is going to be rebuilt or is it just going to be completely absorbed into government um or we're you're just going to see Pete nobody go anymore and i don't know what's going to happen i think if it's but... absorbed into government there will be a new education system that emerges that's in the free market unless the free yeah. market is destroyed because this is literally like this is only possible because it's an abstract field. And what I mean by that is to go back to like the car metaphor. Yeah. You can't like redefine social things. justice, uh, car mechanic. I can't wait. <laughs> well, it doesn't, it doesn't work because it's not even car mechanics. They're redefining plagiarism and redefining merit. So that would be social justice blueprints of a car and the car just wouldn't run. So you would go out of business, whereas in Harvard University, you can convince people that poison is sugar and continue to feed them the poison because it's abstract. Do you get the difference what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Well, and, and I it, we were it wasn't just but what a couple of years ago when uh, those guys uh, uh, submitted Mein Kampf and changed some of the language to, uh, you know, to use more modern social justice terms. And they got the paper accepted. Remember, and that was uh, that was called. Uh, that was called many things, but, uh, but you know, the same kind of plagiarism by the Harvard president, completely okay. Right. And that, and that's the entire thing here is now what we saw a few years ago has become more in your face and more obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And because of their batshit insane ideology, they cannot defend free speech effectively against Congress. That should have been a home run he hearing, right? So easy to do. So easy to do if you so, have. Uh, I don't agree with the genocide of Jews, but like I'm not the moral police, so let dumb people say dumb things. Yeah, yeah. First exactly. Amendment <laughs> should have been the easiest argument in the world. Yeah, but but saying that isn't flies in the face of social justice, right? Because they want to create a safe space, whereas you know traditionally the university was to confront your ideas with lots of different ideas, many of which are scary and you don't agree with. The next award is the Tom Brady Medal for Greatness in the Face of Doubters. And the interesting thing about this award, William, is just like the Narcissist of the Year Award, I think we see many of the previous award winners have resonated and we're still seeing the effects today. And what I mean by that is, I mean, the first two were Tom Brady in 2014 and 2015. And we see how influential he was over the next seven years. 
I mean, the way he shifted the entire understanding of sports and the way the word goat came, became a common thing that everyone used. And then Zack Snyder has won a couple times for mm-hmm. his uh, director's cuts, first of the ultimate edition of Batman versus Superman, and then for uh, the huge day promoting release the Snyder Cut, and we found out the Snyder Cut was going to come out. And now we see he has a big movies coming out on Netflix, and they're letting him do a director's cut and a, I don't know, normie cut, do we want to call it? Yeah. So that's still resonating. Uh, then we also had uh, the anonymous creator of Bitcoin in 2017, and we see how important that is nowadays. Yeah, wow. Especially with the inflation discussion. Especially with inflation, we have got a country that is now using it as a currency. It's uh, being used to uh, deploy electricity to Africa, to parts of Africa that have never had electricity. Yeah. And then we had Dr. Drew for the pandemic. As you know, as just as Gavin Newsom was exemplary of all the narcissistic governors, Dr. Drew was exemplary, exemplary of all the people questioning the narcissistic people and what they were saying. And that's still resonating today with the, all the alternative sources of media. And that led into last year's winner, Elon Musk, who bought Twitter. And we see how much Twitter has changed. That yeah. resonates all the way back to last year as well. I mean, he was a, he was a runner-up for this year's award with all the stuff that like we were talking uh, during the pre-show. Think of all the things that Twitter has uh, broke this year. And they're able to do that now instead of the suppressing things like they were in the past. So I don't know if this winter is going to this year's winter is going to resonate as much through history, but we'll see. We'll see because something pretty cool happened. I talked about it in my solo episode a few weeks ago, and that is there's a professional wrestler who was out of the business for a long time. And then he came back to the other company that actually, you know what? I think I think we could say he it will resonate. And he will resonate because he came back to the other company that was trying to compete with WWE. But that company had a lot of issues in it, and then he was fired from it. And everybody said he would never come back to WWE. But at Survivor Series, the end of November, CM Punk returned to WWE. Everybody said he's a terrible human being. They said he can't work with anyone. He'd never do it. He'd never make the deal. He'd never be a team player. But he is. And now the top merchandise seller from AEW, the top draw from AEW is in WWE. And I just think it speaks volumes to being an adult who's business focused and having a love and a passion can still be successful nowadays. So he's sort of rekindled my appreciation for professional wrestling and my appreciation for WWE. Right, I was always a WCW guy, and I wanted to like AEW, but I don't even watch it anymore. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see how much one person can shift the landscape and how much people are willing to work together if you deal with each other honestly and set the terms. So I'm interested to see what he goes going does going forward. And I think that's the example of doubt. Everybody saying within a certain community, he's a terrible person, yet the number one company in the world thinking differently. Yeah. I think this is a great pick because Justin, it's not just their impact on like wider culture. It's uh, it, we also take into account the impact here on the mid side. And I think if you look at each one of these uh, Tom Brady medal winners, there's a lesson from how they stand up in, in the face of doubters that you can apply to your own life. And I think that that's why this one fits uh, for this year. Right. Because 
he joined a company that he thought was going to be the alternative. And then he realized, and I think this is a very unpopular take on AEW, but I think AEW is very versed in the, the modern narcissistic culture of, I know better than everyone else. And I'm not going to take advice or learn. And he, as a veteran, didn't find the environment he wanted to. And then he realized where yeah. he had to go back to. And despite what everyone said about him, he did what was right for him. And he found that place that he said feels like home. Now, part of that's a storyline, but part of it is he did go back there. And that's the lesson is try things, but you have to go back to the place that's right for you and do what you're good at. How is a professional wrestler out of professional wrestling for that many years? You can't be. You have to be you and you have to do your passion. The next award is the Zack Snyder Awesomeness Award. This is for somebody who does something completely unbelievable and something that you wouldn't even conceive of and wouldn't even think is possible. We, of course, gave this to people such as Firestone for fighting Ebola in Africa more effectively than any government. Uh, Carrie Fisher defended Slave Leia one year. You know, maybe she rests in peace. Uh, Of course, the Patriots comeback. Remember that? Like, we never thought we'd see that. Yeah. Uh, the protests in Hong Kong. I was a very stark defender, William, of Christopher Nolan for pushing Tenant into theaters. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think this year he got his flowers, as they say nowadays, for doing that. But remember how much controversy I found myself in, where I actually alienated myself from the Snyder community? Yeah. Because I said it was more significant, and I had a huge fight on um, Dave Pena's The Film Junkie show one night on the vodka stream because other people attacked me because I compared it to the American revolution. I was like, how could you say what he did isn't a big deal? They were saying he was the bad guy. Remember? And I was a pretty stark defender of that. And I think he, he's been vindicated. Right. Yeah. And then uh, Ron DeSantis for keeping Florida open, despite everybody else closing talked about that. Well, we have a similar one this year, which I was sent videos of a politician from another country, and I was like, this guy seems like Ayn Rand reincarnated. And I didn't think anything would ever come of the guy, but now he's been elected the president of Argentina? Javier, how do you say his last name? Malay? Malay, I think so, yeah. Malay. And he immediately, upon election, like, cut down the, what are their, what do they call them? Committees? Administrations? Yeah, their cabinets. The equivalent of their cabinets, right? Their ministries. Yeah, we're cut Cut down from 25 to 9. Yeah. Like, if you gave me the ideal president, if I was, if you told me the, the the second the president got into office, he would cut the size of government by more than half, I would vote on that person no matter what he was cutting. <laughs> and he, the, there's a country in the world that elected this guy. So this award, the Zack Snyder Awesomeness Award, is as much for Javier Malay for running and running on this platform as it is for the people of Argentina for voting for him. It's just awesome to see. Yep. Yeah. I don't have too much to say on this one. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of impacts it's going to have. He's already, you know, he's already, uh, faced some, you know, incredible odds and he's got more incredible odds to go. We already see the media circling the wagon saying he's going to destroy the economy you know, the economy that's already destroyed in our Argentina, somehow he's going to make it worse, which I, I don't even know if you could make it worse. Um, their, their inflation is like what? 160% or some ungodly number. 
Um, so yeah, uh, more power to him. Definitely awesome, and uh, can't wait to see where it goes next year. The Peak Farce Audience Award is given by you, the the Midsiders, by voting by what news story we covered you think is the most farcical. There was a little bit of a tie this year, right? Uh, people voted for the the non-binary uh, luggage stealer. Didn't want to give it to that because <laughs> we've already talked about that. Uh, it is very very funny though. It, it uh, is, and it's so and it's so and it's so good on the farce meter and, and and but we connected it to the other stories as well. So I think it it is a, it is a very astute listeners uh, did vote for that. So appreciate the votes for that. Uh, the other ones that were tied were ultra right beer, which is very funny, and the Mr. Beast controversy. Mr. Beast being criticized for his video about installing wells in Africa and we ultimately decided to break the tie by saying it goes to the Mr. Beast story. And I think this was done because it encapsulates a couple things. One, Mr. Beast was a figure I had heard about but never knew who he was. Mm -hmm. And then when I find out he's doing videos of controversy, but his controversy is doing extreme things that sometimes have a positive effect for clicks, I learned who he was. But then people were upset with him because... It's not true altruism because he's not sacrificing because of it. He's benefiting off of it. I think this farce is so encapsulating of so much of our culture. Yeah, this is 100% the whole reason why Ayn Rand wanted to retake the word selfishness, right? And uh, and this exactly points out why. It's because it's not a sacrifice. And, and you know, anyone who talks... You you know this is this is definitely an example a concrete example I can use next time that comes up in conversation about uh you know what is actually a sacrifice because why it, this is this is literally getting upset over positive a, a win win situation because it wasn't a lose win situation and it's just right. insane it's farcical right it perfectly demonstrates that you can't write this stuff people who can write this stuff though can be winners of the Romantic Manifestation Award. The Romantic Manifestation Award is the award given to the best creation that is romantic in the artistic sense throughout the year. Uh, Previous winners are Christopher Nolan for Interstellar, Brian Fuller for Hannibal, Damien Chazelle for La La Land, uh, Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman, especially the No Man's Land scene. Sometimes there's like one scene that really sticks with us. Uh, We did M. Night... Shyamalan for Glass. There was a Pixar movie in there. Uh, Zack Snyder finally won it for Zack Snyder's Justice League. And he's going to win it again this year for Rebel Moon. I'm just kidding. I haven't seen Rebel Moon. I have no idea if it's good or bad or not. Though I'm looking forward to it. Last year, Boz Lerman won for Elvis. Uh, I think that if you listen to the, the show throughout the year, we have a great contrast. If you ever want to educate people on romanticism versus naturalism, you can show them Elvis by Boz Lerman and Priscilla by A24 in a double feature, and people will see what we're talking about. That's a great sort of cultural dichotomy there to show. This year, Midsiders nominated uh, a few people. Uh, Nolan was nominated again. Uh, somebody nominated Boys Like Girls' new album. Uh, I don't know who it is out there. I asked William if he did I it. I know. He, said he, he thought didn't. it was me, but... 
Uh, it was. It's not me. I did not vote. As uh, uh, when I, we talk bias. about music, when we talk about music on here, William, I, I think people just sort of fast forward or ignore us. But maybe we need to talk about music. <laughs> we need to talk more. about it more. Yeah, it is. A, it's a good album. It. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So hey, well, if I well, honestly taste. though, if 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 I was nominating that album, would be one. I've really gotten into the Point North album that they released this year too. I probably listened to it. I, I, I got my, I got my, my, you know, Apple music. What albums did you listen to? And that one was like by far number one. It's like crap. <laughs> I didn't realize I listened to that album so many times. That's interesting. Cause I barely listened to that one. I'm going to have to give that one, give that one a try. Uh, so maybe that's what I'll do on my six hour hell ride plane to and from California. So, Oh man. Uh, somebody else Stay nominated Christopher store for the bear. Um, they also nominated, oh, no, sorry. They nominated him for the Zack Snyder awesomeness award. Uh, and they nominated the bear. Um, I, I don't know, William, I didn't like the bear when I saw it. Like, especially they make fun of Zack Snyder fans in the first <laughs> episode. Like, I don't know. Uh, and then somebody else nominated shrinking or Ted Lasso, two phenomenal shows by the same, um, creator, uh, Bill Lawrence. Right, those are great shows. They're both on Apple TV Plus or whatever acronym they're using nowadays. I don't know everything's Plus or whatever. Uh, and they say maybe Rubble Moon. Before I reveal which one I picked, I want to go through my top ten movies of the year very very quickly. It's of course on my Letterboxed. I've seen a total of forty eight new releases this year. It's actually forty nine. Uh, I did see the um, the Family Plan movie starring Mark Wahlberg, but I fell asleep during it because I was so tired last night after the wrestling tournament that I don't want to count that one. And I didn't write a review for it, but you know it's a Mark Wahlberg movie. What do you expect, right? You're going to get what you're going to get from it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before I go through my top ten movies, William, are there any movies besides the winner of this category that you want to highlight? Oh man, I can't think of any that we haven't already talked about. Um, you know, th- there's been some disappointments this year. There's been some some good movies this year. Um, you know, there's been uh, there's been some good series this year, right? Um, uh, so I I think that part of because of the strike, I think this has been kind of an in between year for some some things. But uh, I'm hoping next year that we even will have a much better year. There's a lot of things I'm looking forward to next year. Me as well. And we'll talk about that in a moment for how we're going to handle the break here. But first, top 10 movies of the year. John Wick Chapter 4 coming in at number 10. Uh, That's a great, great franchise there. Uh, The Flash at number 9. That was surprising to me. That was surprising to me. It was better than I expected as well. It was a lot better than I expected. And I want to be clear. It's only a three and a half star movie, right? This is only just a solid bro. But yeah. that shows you, like, as you said, it's kind of a down year. But now we start getting into the bromantic movies here with with my top eight. Uh, and part of the reason I wanted to read top ten and not just top five is my number eight movie, which is controversial here, William. Wish. I am a big fan of Wish. Your points were well taken about the animation yeah. style, but I think when you talk about the writing content and that they ended up making a movie about basically, as I said, it's taxation is theft, the movie, and that's how you're honoring Walt. And that's the whole point. Like, I can't look away from that. And I'm really interested in when you see it, what you think of it. I'm assuming yeah. you still haven't I'm seen gonna, it. I, I, think, I think it's, I'm either going to come back to you and say, 
we you fall into the trap that we sometimes fall into where we see things there that they didn't intend. That doesn't mean they're not there, right? That's not what I'm saying. But they ended up doing something they didn't intend. Or maybe I'll end up liking it or liking the writing. I don't think I'm going to be able to get past the animation, honestly. And that that that's completely possible. But maybe we'll do a special Yeah, we can do a episode for that. Yeah. Number seven, I had The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. If you remember, I said it's the best Hunger Games movie. Uh, making good on a lot of what that franchise, the concepts it had. Uh, totally Killer is a great horror comedy movie involving time travel. Check it out on Amazon+. Plus. And then, surprisingly me here, my top five, I had three movies. I had, you know what, William? Four of my top five are complete shocks to me <laughs> that I never would have predicted this. Number five, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Remember how horrendous the ending to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse was is anybody can wear the mask? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. But this movie was a whole discussion of canon and what's supposed to happen. And if you're allowed to go against what's supposed to happen. So use the metaphor of a canon plot point in geekdom and nerddom to show that this character at the end says, I'm going to go my own way. So he's not going to follow the canon intentionally makes it a great movie on its own, but it also sets up. How is the third movie going to resolve this tension between the first and second movie? So that makes it worthwhile going forward. makes me want to see the third movie. Then of course, Number four, I had the Super Mario Brothers movie. It wasn't like the most amazing movie in the history of the world, but it did what it did well. It had amazing... You had to agree, William. You had a problem with the animation of Wish, but the animation of the Super Mario Brothers movie is tremendous. It was good. It was spot on. Number three, Renfield. You want to talk about, William, how to perfectly portray... Being in an abusive relationship with a narcissistic cluster B personality, Renfield nails that exactly 100%, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. Have you seen any of these movies? I'm guessing no. Renfield, no, I haven't seen that. Or comedy. Have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? I did. I was... Shocked at how good that movie was, William. First of all, I thought that Gunn stepped it up visually in the movie. I remember the opening being shocked at how good it was visually. And then the giant hallway fight scene, I thought was tremendous visually. And then content wise, having a villain who this is an apocalypsitis. This is just a villain who thinks he can genetically engineer, socially engineer a better class of people. Yeah. I'm, of course, referring back to Serenity back in the day before uh, Joss Whedon went completely off the rails. And that's the villain. He has a God complex and the Guardians are fighting him. I was, I think this is one of the best Marvel movies ever. I think it's the best Guardians movie ever. Definitely the best Guardians movie. Yep. Tremendously surprised with the quality of this movie. Then, of course, the number one movie of the year, the winner of the Romantic Manifestation Award, the first two-time winner, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. And just as I referred to Wonder Woman, Patty Jenkins, 
Wonder Woman for the No Man's Land scene. What will always stick with me, William, is what I talked about when I gave this review. The moment the bomb went off in the movie, that darkness and silence in the theater was so powerful. And you usually don't have those kind of moments anymore in modern society where everyone is just on the same page. Mm -hmm. And it's just the moment freezes in time. Tremendous, tremendous. Yeah, the amount of emotional impact that he was able to build to is amazing. And you know, this was the only this was the only movie this year, Justin, that I made a concerted effort to make sure I saw it at a specific time in order to see it on IMAX on the seventy millimeter film or whatever it was, right? Like I, I'd, and uh, I was able to do that because I was still in LA at the time. Indeed. All right, well, that brings an end to the awards. That brings an end to the season. We will be taking a break until after the first weekend of March. I think we're going to record that first Sunday. It depends on how tired I am from the state wrestling tournament. But we will be on break until then, on hiatus. However, I think, William, we might be able to sneak in some special episodes about movies. I think so. About only movies. Because you just noted, you know, maybe we should talk about Wish. Uh, I think there are I still want you to talk about Arcane. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Maybe I can finally find time over the next week now that I... Man, how many awards do I have to win before you'll watch it? Last year, I binge-watched Ted Lasso over the the Christmas break break in California. Maybe I'll binge-watch Arcane this year. But I think there are some other Netflix stuff people might want to hear us talk about. Like, I think people are going to want to hear what we have to say about Rebel Moon Part 1. So, maybe we'll see. Well, and Reacher Reacher has a new season, and um, so far, so good. That's, uh, you know, got nice action for those of you interested in that. But I think there's there's a lot of possibilities here. Yeah, so... I'm not going to plug. You guys know how it works by now. Support us. Don't uh, miss us. Don't. Let's see what happens. Join us in Discord. I'll uh, I'll be in there a lot, uh, uh, despite uh, Justin being so busy in the break. I might even uh, stream some game stuff. Uh, and then, obviously, if you have any uh, th- things you want to talk about, I'll be. I'll what I'll what I normally do for the show prep. I'm going to include in the uh, Discord. So that we'll have some of the stories that I appreciate for farce. So post your own farce in the Discord during break. Maybe we can have a conversation. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlazeski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a year. should have said go blue. Eh, I think that was implied. <laughs> <laughs>